they learn something new. They, it goes through that organization. The Watchtower is not just a publication. It's an organization. And uh, so do, is that where we go? Do we go to those things like that to find out what God has in store for us today? Well, I think as we study through the Bible, we're going to learn, just like we talked in the devotional, that there's only one source. And that is the Word of God. Let's turn our Bibles back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> Let me remind you what Jesus said as you're turning over to 1 Timothy 4. What Jesus said in Matthew 28. He told His disciples, the apostles, He said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now here to me is one of the greatest points that He makes when we're talking about Bible authority. Teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so, the reason I find that so important when we're talking about Bible authority is Jesus taught it, and we're to teach only what He taught, to repeat it, to repeat it, to repeat it. We're not to listen to the watchtower. We're not to open up the Book of Mormon and get our information from that. We're not to open up the Quran and get our information from that. We're not to look at the uninspired Apocrypha that the Catholic Church uses and get our information from that. We're not supposed to do any of those things. A lot of misinformation found in those books. One thing that we're going to notice when we study with certain of these denominations, they're going to say, well, I believe the King James Version of the Bible. But I believe over time it has become corrupted. Well, I use the King James Version of the Bible simply because all my memory works in the King James Version of the Bible. It's too late for me. I can't start. I tried once to go to the New King James. It's too late. I like the New King James Version of the Bible. I think it's a reliable translation. There's a few problems in it. There's a few problems in the King James Version of the Bible. But I think it's a reliable translation. And if someone's looking for a modern version... I recommend the New King James. Well, someone says, I believe that the Bible has been corrupted over the years. I didn't really know how to answer that for a long time, and finally it just kind of, a light bulb went off, and I said, well, at what point did it become corrupted? Where's your evidence that it became corrupted? Because in 1947, a little shepherd boy threw a rock into a cave, and he found what we know as the Dead Sea Scrolls. Almost every book, portions of every book of the Bible, I believe, except for Esther, was found in those clay pots. Hundreds, more than a thousand years older than the manuscripts that we had up to that point. And in the book of Isaiah, what, 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah? Almost word for word identical to the oldest manuscript that we had at that time. And we're talking about hundreds, more than a thousand years older than what we had. So my question is, at what point did it become corrupted? Because if we're having the same manuscripts that we have our translations from, 
At what point did it become corrupted? There's no evidence that it has become corrupted. Now, do we have translations of the Bible that are absolutely inaccurate? Amen, we do. A vast majority of them are that way. The NIV version of the Bible teaches Calvinism. Okay? Teaches Calvinism. Faith only, salvation. The NIV teaches that. Okay? I don't, do I read the NIV from time to time? Sure I do. I don't teach from it. I know what I, I you know, we can, we can uh, study any translation because we know when it goes astray. The English Standard Version, the ESV, becoming very popular now, uh, teaches Calvinism, faith only baptism, takes the deity away from Christ after he came to earth, Philippians chapter 2. So there are a vast amount of translations that are corrupted, but they're not corrupted because we, de- we don't have the proper manuscripts to translate from. They're corrupted because the organizations that created the translation had a religious agenda. And they wanted to teach a false doctrine, period. And so, where do we go? Someone says, well, the, the, uh, the Bible's corrupted, so God gave us another, trans, uh, gave us another Bible. That's what the Mormons would tell us. Another testament of Jesus Christ. Okay? Well, I want to know, let's go back. I want to understand when it became corrupted. That way I'll know whether or not to trust your other Testament. Now there are other reasons we can. It's it's just it's a fallible book. Okay, that's just one example. But we want to know where do we go to get our information? Well, we have to go to the Bible. Jesus said, "You teach what I taught you, and you just keep going over and over and over and over." We're supposed to be teaching exactly what Christ taught today. It all boils down to, excuse me, Bible authority. Where do we get our religious authority? Let's turn to uh, 1 Timothy 4, beginning at verse 6. Paul said, If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, what things? Well, we read them in the devotional, didn't we? He pointed out some things. He was attacking a false doctrine. Notice, he wasn't attacking an individual personally. He loved that individual. That's how we have to... Uh, address people who are not Christians. We don't t- attack them personally, okay? Uh, th- they believe what they believe for the most part because they're sincere in those beliefs. And if we attack someone personally, well, we've lost them. We've lost them, okay? We're wanting to shine light on something. We're not wanting to unnecessarily offend. So he viciously attacked the false doctrine, but he did it just like he told the Ephesians in love, okay? And he so put the uh, uh, put the brethren in remembrance of these things. Now I think it's interesting. He said this is a personal letter to Timothy, teaching him how to have a good work. But he said put the brethren in remembrance. The book is for the whole congregation. We're all to know these things and to put them into use. Right. Uh, that way he says you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. So. What are we being reminded of? Well, he gives a list of problems, but I think the main thing he's wanting to remind him of is what is the pillar and ground of the truth. If we know the truth and we teach the truth, the gospel will take care of itself. The gospel will take care of false teachings if we teach the truth. And it goes back to Bible authority. He says, you'll be a good minister, nourished up in the words 
of faith. Okay. We need to be nourished ourselves before we can nourish someone else, right? I was talking to someone the other day. I said, you know, when you get on an airplane, they go through the instructions on in case you you have a crash, you know, uh, here's your uh, float flotation device, and they say, you know, you're going to get this mass drop out of the ceiling. What do they always tell you? You put it on yourself first, then you help someone else, because if you can't breathe, you can't help someone else. That's what Paul's talking about to Timothy. You nourish yourself, then you can nourish other people. But what are we being nourished on? The same thing we've been talking about in the latter part, uh, after he finished talking about elders and deacons. The pillar and the ground of the truth. That's what we nourish ourselves on, right? The truth. We can find the truth. He goes on to say, uh, But refuse profane and old wives' t- fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all. Okay, we, he, he said, You nourish yourself on this. Well, we know what the good foods in the in the world are, right? Vegetables, fruits, proteins. Uh, you know, uh, at my house we have another food group. It's called candy, and so you know that's not a too that's not too good of a food group. So we we know that that's not going to nourish us, right? So he's giving a contrast. You nourish yourself in the pillar and the ground of the truth, but what do you avoid? Fairy tales, false doctrines, things like that. Now. What's he talking about here, old wives' fables? Uh, I think uh, maybe the New American Standard Bible, which is also not a good translation, but I think it says old women's tales. What's he talking about? not talking about older women. He's talking about at that time in that culture, there were some religious leaders and they were known as old women. And they propagated the myths of the day. Talk about their gods and they would just be uh, all types of, uh, you know, blow it out of proportion to things that they would do. Now remember, we're talking about the Greeks, right? And so they had all of these different mythologies that they followed. And so these old, quote, old women, old wise t- fables, that was in complete competition to what the Bible said, right? So he says, know what the truth is, nourish yourself so you can nourish someone else, don't try to nourish yourself on what's bad. These competition religions, see, it all sticks together. The competition religions, which included Gnosticism, the ascetic religions. So don't do that, he said, because bodily exercise profits little. He didn't say it didn't profit at all. Why would he throw that in? Why all of a sudden we're talking about this, now we're talking about push-ups? Why would he do that? The Greeks placed a high priority on sports and fitness. Okay? Now, it could go back to these ascetic rituals that they performed. Don't eat. Don't marry. But I think he's making an example because they would understand this. Uh, he said, that that's pretty good. That'll help you a little bit. But who does bodily exercise help? Only the individual doing it. What does spiritual exercise help? Well, it's just like uh, Paul told Timothy on another occasion, you adhere to what you're preaching, you'll save yourself and those that hear you. Right? And so, 
He's saying, where do you go for your information? Don't listen to these denominations. And that's what they were. They were just denominations popping up. He said, don't listen to them. You listen to the truth. Don't get caught up in this kind of stuff. He says, but godliness is profitable unto all things. And he goes on down through and and uh, uh, the balance of that passage and he tells him to meditate on those things. Uh, you know, put it, put it into your life. But where is the authority? Where do we go? Period. We go to the Bible. There's not another book that has life. Not another book. Any, uh, any other book written by any religious organization, you might as well be reading an encyclopedia or a dictionary. There may be some interesting information in that. Is it going to save you? No, absolutely not. Uh, I like to read from time to time portions of the encyclopedia. I use the dictionary, maybe uh, I use second only to the, the Bible in my study because I, I like to understand what words I'm, I'm using and, and what they mean. But is it going to give me life? No, it's not going to give me life. During the time of the early church, uh, a Roman poet named Juvenal, he said this, you should pray for a sound mind in a sound body. Now let's think about that for a second. That's, that's, a, that's a big statement, isn't it? What does he mean? Neither one of those two things are much good to us if we don't have the other. Right? Pray for a sound mind in a sound body. Don't just worry about your physical. Worry about your spiritual, your mind. Those things like that too. So what we want to talk about is sound doctrine. Okay? Uh, and that's what he says. He talks about uh, don't neglect the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on the hands of the presbytery or the eldership. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. We have to understand what sound means. Well, in physical health, we know what sound means. We feel good. We don't have any major problems with ourselves, right? We're healthy. We, uh, we feel good. We're uncorrupted. Uh, when, uh, we talk about, uh, soundness, there are different examples in the New Testament. We look in Luke 7 verse 10, we talk about the servant found whole. He was whole. He was healthy, right? That's what he means. The prodigal son was found to be safe and sound. Luke fifteen twenty seven. We need to be concerned about each other's physical health as brethren. We need to be concerned about that. We want each other to be sound. And if we can help aid that in some way, then we ought to do that. But what do we most importantly want? We want to be spiritually sound, right? We want to get to heaven. That's the bottom line, right? That's why we do what we do. That's why we live the way we live. John, if you'll notice in John 3... Third John, rather. Third John, verses 1 and 2. I just love what he tells Gaius. He says he wants him uh, to have financial success. He wants him to have physical success and spiritual uh, health or soundness, right? But how does he want him to have physical health? In that his spiritual health is also good. 
He wanted him to prosper physically in comparison to how he was prospering spiritually, right? It's good to want to prosper physically. That was one of the things that these Gnostics were teaching. You had to be absolutely dirt. You couldn't have any, couldn't own any possessions. You could, they, uh, uh, the Essenes tried to get down to where they ate, they would count the grains of rice that they would eat on a daily basis to try to get it down to the minimum amount because food was physical. And they tried to get away from all things physical. That's just beyond my understanding. It's all right to be physically prosperous. We want, you know, look, money is a good thing if it's used properly. Right? As long as we don't allow it to come in between us and God. Nothing wrong with being very wealthy, in fact. Think of the good we can do if we're wealthy. That money is earned honorably. And so, but, but John wanted him to prosper physically only in that he prospered spiritually. But we still want soundness, right? Christianity is a balanced religion. A balanced religion. Do we need to study the Bible 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year? Well, that's not really balanced, is it? Where are we going to, where are we going to work? Because that's, that's a commandment. Paul said, if you don't work, neither should you eat. So where are we going to have work in? But at the same time, are we going to work 24-7, 365, and, and never open the pages of the Bible? That's not balanced either, right? Because spiritual health is more important than physical health. Sound words. If we're going to understand authority, we have to understand what sound words are. Sound words. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 13 through 15. He admonished him, encouraged him. He said, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This is almost an exact statement of what Christ stated in Matthew 28. Paul says, You hold fast to those sound, those healthy, those uncorrupted words that I told you, and you tell other people. Well, where did Paul get his information? Christ. The Holy Ghost. Right? The Holy Ghost led him into all, uh, all information, all knowing. Gave him all he needed to know. And so he told Timothy... What Christ taught, and Timothy was supposed to teach that to other people. That's what we do. So, do we get that information from the Watchtower organization? Paul didn't teach anything from that organization. Wasn't in existence. Right? Wasn't in existence. And so, sound words mean uncorrupted words. Things that we can trust, right? Sound doctrine, teaching or instruction. Uncorrupted doctrine. Again, let's go back to, well, I believe, I like the new, I like the King James Version of the Bible, but it became corrupted. Well, when? At what point? You know, if we're going to make a statement, that's a bold statement. If we're going to make a statement like that, I want to know, when did it become corrupted? Where are the manuscripts prior to that that I can see? Right? We can't, I mean, we're going to take someone's word on it? Hey, look, the Bereans didn't. They didn't. They searched the Scripture daily to make sure what they were being taught was so. Guess who their preacher was? The Apostle Paul, an inspired man. Are we just going to take the word of some woman? They say, well, it was corrupted. 
Well, I need some evidence, right? I need some evidence for that, the same as I need evidence for you have to be baptized for the remission of sins to become a Christian. I need evidence. I want evidence for that. I'm not just going to take someone's word for that. Okay? So we need evidence for all of these things. Paul told Timothy, uh, let's notice uh, 2 Timothy 4. Well, we've already noticed that. Uh, we talked about that in the in the devotional. But he 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 no, that's, that was first Timothy. Let's, let's go back to Second Timothy four, one through five. Notice what he said. And this is happening today. He warned of it happening. It's continuing today. He said, "I charge thee before uh, therefore before God and and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead." at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the Word, He said. Be instant in season and out of season. That means preach it when it's popular and preach it when it's not. He said, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. I don't think that's three separate sermons. I think that's one sermon. We reprove, we rebuke when necessary, and we always want to exhort. Right? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Paul already mentioned that, hadn't he? Oh, wise tales, fables. He said, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. When we read the letter written to the Galatians, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, Paul says, I marvel, I am astonished that you are so soon removed from the gospel to another gospel which isn't the gospel. It's not sound doctrine, right? He says, I came in, I taught the gospel, you obeyed the gospel, you became Christians, and then just so quickly you were brought away by these false teachers and now you're believing something that they say is the gospel. It's not sound doctrine. What happens when we do that? Well, we continue to read the letter. We get over to Galatians 5, verse 4. You do that, you fall from grace. They were going to a source that was not the source from God. That's our whole point, right? Where do we find Bible authority? This isn't something new. It's been going on from the very beginning of time. Satan took upon himself the form of a, a serpent, and he gave Eve some bad information and said it was authoritative, but it wasn't from God. She didn't question him. Adam didn't question his wife. They didn't say, give me the evidence for that like the Bereans did. It's been going on since the beginning of time. How do we detect soundness? We hear about sound congregations, right? One of the first things I asked, I'm traveling... Someone says, uh, I'll ask someone, I'll call my buddy up that's in, in that area, and I'll say, is such such congregation a sound congregation? Well, what does that mean? Is it uncorrupted? Does it, does it teach what Jesus taught back in the first century? Or do they use an instrument in their worship? Do they have our sisters preaching and praying, leading in worship in some way? Do, you know, are, we, uh, are, they, are they swapping pulpits with a denomination around Christmas time? You know, do they do things like that? That's 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 how we determine sound. You know, when, when I go to uh, the store, and I know you do too, and you're going to look for some fruit, you're going to look for vegetables. Do you just pick up the first one you see, or do you 
kind of mash on them a little bit, make sure they're firm and they're not, you know, uh, I like uh, Mayfield uh, uh, chip dip that you get. And you can't get that west of Nashville. For five years, I couldn't have it. Every time I would get anywhere near the east, well, I'd, I'd get some of it. Well, I was over at the the store the other day, and, and I, I've always had a how I'd take the lid off and I'd touch and make sure that that cellophane is on there, right? Well, I took the, without looking, I took the lid off, stuck my finger down in it. Stuff went everywhere. And there I am holding this chip dip. Got it all over my clothes, got it all over the floor. This lady comes over, and I said, I'm sorry, I, I it didn't have the cellophane. I wouldn't watch. She said, that's all right. She helped clean me up. So I'm looking at something else. So I grab another and take the top off of it, stick my finger right in it again. Same deal all over again. There are four or five of them up there like that. So after the second time I did it, I looked, on, you know, looked before I did it. I don't know what the deal was. But the thing is, we do inspection, right? We inspect things. We don't buy rotten fruit. Why do we, why do we swallow rotten doctrine? Sometimes we don't think about it like that, right? Let's don't eat, let's don't ingest rotten doctrine because we're talking about our health, our spiritual health, which Paul told Timothy is more important than our physical health. So that's how we determine soundness. We ask questions. Remember when my dad was having open heart surgery in 2010, we met uh, my sister, my brother, my dad, we went to the doctor and we're talking to the surgeon and and I'm not saying much, and they're, they're sitting, and they're talking, and, and uh, everybody kind of took a pause, and I asked, I said, Doc, I said, have you ever been sued for malpractice? My sister just, face got red and embarrassed. She was looking for somewhere to hide, and she got mad. I said, look, I want to know if this guy's been sued for malpractice, and why, if he has been. He's going to operate on my dad. I want to make sure I was inspecting him, right? He wasn't offended. He said, I have been. But it was as a, as a group, I didn't have anything to do with it. I said, all right. He did a wonderful job. But we inspect, see, but we inspect everything. And I'm talking about the world in general. We inspect everything except for our religion. For the most part, don't we? The world in general. We just, we just grow up believing something. You know, we can't do that. Uh, we have to understand if the message being taught is... Been, has been corrupted. First John four one. What are we to do? Test the spirits. Test what we're taking. We don't buy anything. With, you know how many cars do we buy without test driving them? Right. Every car I ever bought, I test drove it. I wanted to make sure it was all right. All of these denominations, they're corrupted. They're corrupted. That's what's been corrupted. Not the message. The message hasn't been corrupted from God. They've corrupted it and then they formed these corrupted denominations. There are no more latter day revelations. There is no updated information. Right? There is no updated information. And so we need to understand. We need to look at it a couple ways. We're going to notice next week, we're getting toward the end, we're going to, we're going to finish up this idea of authority and we're going to uh, talk about principles of authority. We're going to talk about personal feelings. Can I, can I allow my conscience to be my guide? Yes and no. Right? Your conscience can be your guide if it is properly trained. 
But we have to make sure. How do we how do we properly train our conscience? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not being ashamed, rightly dividing or handling properly the word of God. Right. And so we're going to talk about personal feelings. We're going to talk about principles of authority, and uh, uh, we're going to talk about some interesting things with that. And then we will move from this idea of authority into uh, the study of the Jehovah's Witness denomination. Again, I always want to end with this because I don't, you know, I don't want anyone to believe or to think when they, if they happen to listen to our lesson over the internet, that that we're harsh in some way. We're not harsh. In a Bible class, we're going to talk. We have to name names to talk about certain things, right? It's okay to name a name if it's necessary. I think Paul did that. Christ certainly did it. But, you know, we have to determine if it's necessary. And, and, and when we do it, we have to do it in love. We don't want to ever uh, present ourselves as being harsh and unloving. It's not, uh, it, it's, it's not, we're, we're not out to win a debate or to win an argument. We may, someone may win a debate. That doesn't mean they win, right? Uh, we, we could turn someone away from the Lord's church simply by our attitudes and our actions in trying to discuss religion with them in general. So we want to be, uh, we want to be true to the word. We want to do what God has commanded. Paul told Timothy, be instant in season and out of season. We don't change the doctrine. But if I'm unnecessarily offensive, then I have a big problem, right? If someone is offended by the gospel, that's, that's their problem. That, if I'm offended by the gospel, that's my problem. The gospel is one of the most offensive things in the world if you don't want to abide by it. Christ was probably the most divisive individual in the world because no one wanted to follow His commandments. Not because He was mean, not because He wasn't telling the truth, but simply because as people, we didn't want to hear it, right? And that's divisive. And so sometimes we're going to be divisive, but it better not be because of the way we uh, conduct ourselves with people. We're going to pick up here next time and uh, we're going to talk about authority, and then we're going to talk about the, uh, the Jehovah's Witness doctrine. I appreciate so much you being here. Keep our, uh, our members in your prayers as we go uh, throughout our days, and let's pray specifically for them. Let's mention them by name to God, and uh, uh, be thankful when, he, when the answer we get is the one we're looking for. Uh, Brother Bobby, we'll dismiss us in prayer.